0: Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book I'm a Registered Dietitian. Now what? Where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story, a passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Sarika Shah, a registered dietitian who started out with a passion for gerontology, worked in long-term care, and transitioned to an outpatient practice. During that time, she realized there was a need for nutrition education for Indian Americans in her community, while she was also learning she needed a little more work-life balance. She is currently expanding her private consulting business while helping Indian Americans make the connection between their health and nutrition. Please enjoy my conversation with Sarika. To learn more about you and just kind of get the background of you and um, just kinda how you got where you are today. So yeah, I'm just gonna kinda keep it open and like yes
1: natural. Not, yes. Super, not super professional nutrition-y dietitian y work.
0: Is I love that, it. Yes, okay. that's exactly what I want. I want to show the human side of us beautiful brainiac dietitian so yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> right
0: <laughs> I like that part yeah so why so let, let's first of all why don't we start let's kind of dig deep and go back to when you kind of got interested in nutrition dietetics health and wellness what was that moment for you that that's what you decided you wanted to do
1: oh well this is a good question so I'm um... I didn't know for a long time. I went into undergrad under the School of Engineering um, Mm. because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my dad was like, oh, you're good at math and science. There you go, you know. And so it's kind of what I did. Um, And I am Indian. And a registered dietitian is not one that anyone's encouraged to do. Gotcha. No, it's like a doctor, lawyer, engineer, pharmacy, something like along those lines, right? Um, And so... Um, my sister fell ill with ulcerative colitis, um, when I was in undergrad and from there it kind of like spun into like an interest of nutrition. Um, I took a nutrition class just to fill in a general education course and I fell in love with it. Um, and yeah, I'm born and raised in the United States, but we still eat cultural foods and you know, my parents were immigrants and so we ate Indian food and knowing that when she went to see a dietitian to help with her ulcerative colitis, there was no correlation. There was no, it was more of changing her diet completely to a Westernized diet. Cause they didn't understand our foods. Um, hmm. and that's kind of where it may, might've possibly happened. It was all of that combined. Sure. Yeah. And then I changed my major and then I, my dad was like, all right, he was totally with it. Surprised me, completely supportive. Um, and yeah, that well, that's became
0: a- good. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. But I think, you know, I feel like you, like a lot of dietitians, there's some personal connection to nutric- nutrition somewhere that kind of fuels that beginning.
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, and I grew up in a household where um, we didn't talk about nutrition or size or body or weight, none of that stuff. There was never any of that. So I didn't even know nutritional science existed um, until undergrad. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Um, And so my definite, you know, interest didn't start until undergrad from that perspective. And then of course, you know, greater interest with my sister's condition.
0: Sure. And, you know, I think a lot, a lot of people, it's like, I don't know how my family was kind of the same way. We didn't talk about weight. I mean, food wasn't an issue. We just didn't make it an issue. And then it's, it's interesting how, I feel like that's completely shifted. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but it's very interesting to hear another dietitian say that same thing.
1: I think it's shifted. I think that um, social media, I think TV, I think, you know, the internet. Like I, when I was in high school, there was no internet. So, yeah, me
0: either. So, um, <laughs>
1: You know, your sense of knowledge came from your parents, you know, and there was no DVR or anything. So Mm -mm. if you miss morning Sunday cartoons, you also miss the commercials for those foods.
0: That's so true.
1: (laughs) So, you know, I, um, I think that just society, as far as technology advancement has made
0: things much different.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It could be both positive and negative. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you kind of, you kind of took that random nutrition rogue class and then you just really so when you kinda of got into the schooling part, were you like, Yes, this is the best fit. This is how this is where I should be.
1: Oh my gosh, I loved it. Um I got excited about my classes. Um I did not like Ochem, but I liked almost everything else. <laughs> I did not like meats. I can tell you that. Meats class was not fun. Not, <laughs> not, not, not fun. And you know, so you don't know that you have that. Like you don't I didn't know nutrition had that other part of it, right? (laughs) Um, But but yeah, I loved it. I mean, and I, in you know, I genuinely cared. Like I had interest in my courses, Um, and so I did that. And then I didn't. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a dietitian after I graduated from undergrad. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, Um, and so I got my master's in nutrition, and that's where I kind of solidified that um, I really like like the clinical part of nutrition. Um, so I did become a, right, and then I went on for my internship and became a registered dietitian.
0: Okay. Well, that's an interesting way of, you know, like, I think a lot of people do their masters because they have to, but you actually kind of did it because you wanted to, and then you decided, Oh yeah, yeah." I
1: wasn't sure. I was debating whether I wanted to do my PhD, what I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And so, um, You know, luckily my parents were super supportive and understanding. And so I kind of got to ride that confusion out and figure out what I enjoyed.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. That's lovely to have supportive parents. That yeah, it's like done with school.
1: Yeah, no, I'm sure there was that. There was that underlying. behind the scenes. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because I'm a parent now, I can recognize that maybe. Um, but I am grateful for the revolving door that they always
0: left open for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, what does, what was kind of the first things after you did your master's? You did your internship. Where did you kind of find yourself landing as far as jobs and what your passions were? Yeah. Um, I liked Um,
1: I really liked old people. I just loved, I think that there was, I think, you know, what they call intuitive eating now or, you know, the mindfulness. I think that that was in that generation when I was in school was that older generation. They had that. They were aware of just how to eat and enjoy food and find that. Um, and I loved it. I'm, I just kind of I don't know, I dove deep into gerontology, that was what my thesis was on. Okay. And then, um, so then I worked for long-term care, which was a rude awakening to know that it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. Um, But I stayed with long-term care for a long time. I did long-term care and I taught um, at community colleges at the same time to give me, like to stay abreast current nutrition. Um, And then I climbed the ladder with um staying in long term care which was nice um you know i got to see the corporate part of it where that took me away from clinical then completely and more oh. management PLs, you, you know profit and mm-hmm. loss all that stuff um you know in that on all of this i also got married and i had kids and um and then i stepped down and i just became like a consulting dietitian for the company that i was with um and so I was working part-time, and I was part-time mom. Um, and then I took a two-year break. Oh, no, not even a full two years. I wanted to go in for a two-year break. And about a year in, I realized I took a break from working and just being mom. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: I took about a year break to figure out what I really wanted to do. Um, I just was really stressed um, trying to manage everything on my own. And I didn't sure. want to hire help. My own pride was getting in I was stopping myself with my own pride um if that makes any sense yes it does and so I um, I took about a year off and then I joined a private practice which was a psych group I'm a group of four psychologists um, and associated with two psychiatrists and um, I was the in-house dietitian um, which was really amazing I loved it did that um, I branched off on my own and then I joined Instagram because I was encouraged to and kind of landed here where I'm at now in private practice.
0: That's so interesting. I'm, I'm surprised that a private practice that specializes in psychiatry had a dietitian. That's interesting to me.
1: Yeah. So they did psychology. So they were psychology, psychologists. Okay. So um, different. the two psychiatrists were like across us and that's who, where the referrals kind of, you know, they went hand gotcha. in hand they write the medication these psychologists did the therapy part of it um but yeah a lot with OCD um, body image um they're really holistic from the overall perspective of you know and they had a range um they definitely had children to adults um and you know when, when parents seek this they want the best especially when they have children mm-hmm. um you know it could be as simple as Picky eaters, as to food aversions, tasted versions, texture aversions, um, body image disorder. We did not do eating disorders though, um, because we the psycholog- psychiatrist that was, psychologist that was there that was going to take that on kind of left the practice. So we didn't do that part of it, um, because obviously that requires so much more.
0: Oh sure, um, intensity yeah. and
1: specialty. Um, but we did everything else and it was really a holistic approach on everything. That's
0: really, that's awesome. That would have been an awesome place to land for yeah. sure.
1: It was fun and it provided me the flexibility that I wanted because I was still in that confusion of trying to be mom, trying to be a dietitian at the best of Mm -hmm. both. Um, so I got to do both,
0: which is nice. That's, I feel like that. Like, I feel like there's just something awesome about that work life balance that, you know, once you have it, you're like, Oh, this is how life should, this is how it can work. How it can all work. Yeah,
1: exactly. It was pretty sweet. I'm, you know, and it was only like 15 minutes from my house. So I wasn't commuting anymore. Um, it was really, it was really, really nice. Um, and the, we were treated like family, like we, all of us got together and it was actually a female dominated, you know, female created the practice. Um, they were almost all female employees, which was just really neat. It was completely different um, scenario. Um, and I loved it. It was great. And so then um, it was in best interest for me to split off because I needed further, as my practice grew, as I started seeing more, I needed Different software and just everything as far as independence and all of that with my own clients. Um, I spun off. Um, I'm still, you know, they refer me patients. They refer their clients to me. Yeah, they still continue to do that. Um, so I, I don't market that on Instagram, but I do see them still. Um, oh, nice! And I love it. Love it. And right now, I get to work from home 100. I'm with my kids and my family. All the time, which could be a detriment at this
0: point because of COVID. (laughs) I know. I think everybody's starting to kind of change their, they're like, oh, you know, maybe it's time we not hang out so much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? And I'm in California. I feel like nothing's open. Oh, really? Yeah. Barely outdoor night. Oh, gosh. So, um, and kids are not in school. At least my kids are not in school yet at their age.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: um, (laughs) Yeah. We've been home for a year, Um, but it's been nice. I mean, it is nice, but I mean, I'm also ready for everybody to go back and me stay at home and do my work without everybody.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you mind me backing up? I just want to ask you, when you said, when you got into working in long-term care and gerontology, what you said it turned out to be not what you thought it was going to be, maybe you could speak to that a little bit.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I stuck my foot in my mouth. Okay, so uh, I loved, so long-term care gave me, weekends off, which acute care didn't. And so I loved the part of the schedule of it. Um, but when I thought it was gerontology, I thought I was going to be able to practice much more of um, clinical nutrition where I did, but not to the point of where it was beneficial to their health in such a positive way. Here it ended up being more of uh, you know, tube feeding calculations or TPN mm. calculations, wound healing, um, mechanical puree, you know, and I know that that's all changing now, but back then it was, sure. you know, thicken liquids, all of that, um, which I was not aware of. Um, I thought it was more of, you know, when they potentially had cardiac issues or Alzheimer's or dementia as you start to age and then you try to find a balance with um, nutrition with that and maximizing that, Um, where I got to only do a little bit of it. Um, but then when I started doing the subacute part of the long-term care, you know, when there was subacute attached to some of the long-term care facilities, that's where I got like the good taste of what I think I really enjoyed was the complexity of the cases sure. um, where nutrition I felt really made a difference. Not to say that nutrition didn't make a difference in long-term care. It definitely does. Mm-hmm. And it did. Um, but we were so heavily regulated, especially in California, we're so heavily regulated on how our menus are, um, and how much you give of what, even though it necessarily may have not been what they were used to or what they wanted. Um, and there was no cultural foods at that time. I know that California has definitely changed and their regulations have changed a little bit, but back then, you know, this is like 20 years ago there, this wasn't that case.
0: And that's, you know, I think, and I don't know how you feel, which you've, you've been in that spa- space where like that's not available and people don't talk about it. You know, it's like you come from this culture that eats a certain way and your poor sister, you know, had this health condition that didn't get, they didn't understand what you, what kind of food you're eating. And I feel like that is, that has been a barrier for just a lot of different people when it comes to regulations and how things are always yeah. done and this is what it is and there's no wiggle room.
1: Yeah. You know, cause you need to have X amount of protein, yeah. you need to meet these calories, you need to meet this, you know, all these vitamins and mineral, you know, you, when you look at the whole menu planning part of it, um, sometimes cultural foods don't necessarily meet every part of it, but if you're in long-term care or you're in potential end of life, none of that really should matter. Mm-hmm. You should be, in my opinion, mm-hmm. this is my personal opinion and my, per- you know, you should be eating what you want.
0: I agree.
1: <laughs> I'm um, going to. In, yeah, you know, and I hope I, we don't get hate for saying I know. that. But um, I do, I strongly believe that. Um, and I do, and I must say, this is, you know, 20, 15, 20 years mm-hmm. ago. So times have changed. Things are much more culturally competent. Like, you know, in the last year, you and I have both seen our dietetics feel yes. like explode and change um, or try to mm-hmm. change, hasn't changed trying to change. Um, and so, yeah, you know, and I live in California um, where it is extremely diverse. So long-term care wasn't just Caucasian. Mm-hmm. The The patients were not, or the residents were mm-hmm. not. You know, they were mixed. They were of Chinese or Japanese de- descent. They were Indian descent. I mean, there was everything. I mean, they were mixed. Um, and our menus were not meeting that.
0: And don't you feel like, I would feel it. Wouldn't you be depressed if you were, from a different culture and you weren't able to eat the foods that brought you joy. Like that would be like horribly age me. It would age me to no end.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. But you know, we did work around it. We, cause we would just get orders from physicians that may have food from home. Oh, good. And then family members, if they had them were allowed to bring food. And so, and the way we worked around that was that they were able to keep the food in the nurse's station, not in the kitchen, because then you know that's not Title Twenty Two regulated. Yes. Um, and so you'd keep them at the nurse's station refrigerator, and then it would be heated up and provided.
0: Interesting. And that's kind of how we worked around it. Well, at least there was some some way to do that.
1: Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do. You find ways. You, you do make it work. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: So has that so kind of like from that aspect, and I know that you know you're doing your consulting, but with your personal business where does like your passion and how do you kind of create your passion into creating a private practice for a certain target group? Kind of like, yes, yes. Um, (laughs) Where did you see that need um, and how did you feel like that was something that needed to be created?
1: So oddly enough, when I was in the private practice, um, with the psych group, uh, because I was of Indian descent, um, they naturally flocked to me um, because then they were like, oh, you're Indian, you're a dietitian. Oh, well, you know what? I have this family member. Even though they may have not been mm-hmm. seen by psych, they were like, could you help with this condition? Um, and I think that that's where it started to evolve from there um, was that, you know, we don't have to explain certain foods to you because you know it. You you know we don't have to describe the different lentils or how we make things mm-hmm. because you'll know it, um, and I can help modify diet, you know recipes which is because I know of that right, um, and I get that you know a lot of Indians are lacto-ovo vegetarian and you know and I'm not gonna or vegetarian but will only have dairy and I'm not gonna ask somebody to eat eggs to get protein because you know you're not meeting certain macros mm-hmm. or nutrient needs there's other ways around it. Um, and there are other nutritionally dense protein foods that are Indian, you know, they're just more plant-based. So, um, it kind of came to me. And so when I split off, I wasn't doing, it wasn't, I was generic on very generic. If you look further past on Instagram, but I also am old and I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I get what you, I get what you're saying. But I I mean, from the perspective of like social media Mm -hmm. is very new. Um, and so I didn't know how to use it, but, um, I did get a business coach and she kind of helped me figure that part out because I knew that's what I liked. That's who I, uh, and a big part is growing up here, you know, when you go to school and, you know, your friends are eating this and you're eating your traditional Indian foods for dinner or whatever, you start to think that the Western food is healthier for you.
0: Really? Um, and then. Yeah. And just because that's what everybody else is doing and you're like. That's okay. Exactly,
1: And then, and then I'm, you know, I mean, I loved where I went to school, but undergrad did not have diversity, um, nor did they, you know, when you take all your nutrition therapy classes and et cetera, et cetera, none of it really covered, um, multicultural needs, which
0: is. Instead. Which is sad. Which is sad and bad all at the same time. Yeah. Right. And I think it has mm-hmm.
1: changed because I went to school a long time ago. I mean, you know, it was years ago. So I do think it's changed. But back then, like, so that's what you think. That's what you learn. You know, and I I didn't question it. It was just, that's what you were taught. This is how you meet, you know, your protein proteins is how you meet your carb needs. This is how you, you know, the veggies, this is how they should be cooked. You know, it's just what you think. That's what you learn um you know all your cooking classes your baking classes everything was based off of the right. western diet um in, in california is super diverse and there's a huge indian population here and so you start to recognize like and even now there's more and more immigrants i think from when my parents were here versus now um you start to realize that there's this true need and you know indian americans there's that masala study that showed that we're at higher risk For diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, you know, you collectively put those together, um, we need to modify and we need to maximize and they're all lifestyle factors when we come to the Western world. And so what have we changed? What are we doing? Um, And so it's reiterating to them that, hey, you can still have your Indian food. But this is how we got to do it when you're adapting to the also the U.S. culture.
0: And having and having things available, not available, because I'm guessing you're probably working with people from all over the United States. Or are you kind of working strictly with people in in California?
1: No, I am doing all over the U.S. I don't do anybody outside of the U.S., but um, uh, yeah, all
0: over the U.S. So like food availability, too, like that has to be a huge issue,
1: Surprisingly, I have not had that to be oh, an issue because there is some sort of there's some sort of Indian grocery store or Middle Eastern grocery store or South Asian grocery store that carries almost all of our different lentils or spices. Oh, good.
0: Good. Et yeah, I get-
1: I mean, and you to be honest, like Costco oh, carries sure. a lot, like Amazon. I mean, you can it is so readily available.
0: Now. That's interesting. I guess I, I'm living in Iowa, so like I think of, <laughs> I think of yeah, of the, the availability maybe to some. And I guess like you're right, like there's online shopping and a lot of huge people that would be online shopping. But I know and yeah. like our, you know, our our, our our state, there's a lot of rural communities that just don't have access to a lot of things like that. So it'd be interesting to see the difference between like other people you work with versus maybe someone in Iowa. I
1: do. I do. Like I have some that will say that, you know, we have to really plan and make it a trip to go out to the Indian grocery store. And when they do, you know, it could be an hour's Mm -hmm. drive, but when they do, you know, they stock up and they, you know, get the goods to last them Mm -hmm. for maybe a month. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I believe in embracing both of the cultures when you live here, like, that doesn't mean we don't eat. Anything sure. American. Oh, sure. Like it's a balance of both. But it's my goal is to not shut off and shut away what we have and think that you can't eat mm-hmm. it for health.
0: Well, and I like how you on your Instagram, I like how you share your what products like you share, like, this is what I'm using today. And I found this here. And I like how you do that to oh. help even like me, myself, who probably doesn't even, isn't even aware to know that that kind of stuff exists in these places.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to, right? Like I just, I mean, if I'm cooking it, I might, I I don't always have my phone on me, so I do miss it a lot, but like, um, I do, I try to share just to say like, Hey, and if you can't find this, you can use this. Um, you know, there's Whole Foods, there's Trader Joe's, there's normal big supermarkets Mm -hmm. everywhere and almost all supermarkets, at least the ones I've seen out, you know, on the coasts and stuff, actually almost everywhere. I feel like where I've traveled, they have Mm -hmm. lentils. So it's just a matter of how you cook it, whether you flavor them with Italian seasonings or Indian seasonings or however right, you choose it to right.
0: be. So what do you, what do you, yeah. what is the biggest thing that you work with? Is it, are you covering like all just basically all health conditions and how that, how you can eat like both cultural, you know, palates for both. how How do you, what's like the biggest thing that you practice in, with, with your clients?
1: Um, yeah, so that's, I have a variety. So, I'm um, I do get where people just want to learn to be a little like live a little bit healthier in as far as a lifestyle. Um, I've seen it greater since COVID happened where people feel that, Hey, I have time now. I want to focus on my health. I'm not traveling from work or whatever it may be. Um, or it could be, Hey, I was, you know, the quote unquote pre-diabetic diagnosis. I want to steer away from it. How do I do that? Or it could be, um, just in general like and so I teach them how to balance you know and how to plate and with Indian recipes that they have like their family ones how do you modify it to make it possibly healthier or maybe you don't need to modify it and they need to hear from a professional that it's fine eat it Mm -hmm. don't worry Um, and don't sweat it right Um, and then there's certain flours that we like millet flour is a common flour that we use in Indian food and we should eat it it's great um, and so I think that there's just some stuff that you need to encourage them and let them know, um, that they're doing things sure. correctly. And that's what you
0: have to, you have to know a lot of um, things and to- like, you have to be like the all around dietitian. Well, I
1: mean the American stuff, you know, right? Like, cause we learned it in school and I practiced it for so long. Um, the Indian stuff, even though I know how to cook it and I eat it. We have tons of different um, variants of food um, because the, each region has their okay. own cultural foods from India. So I don't know all of it. So some, there is a learning curve for me too, but our basics are all very similar. Um, you know, the rice, the lentils, the veggies, all of that. We might just have different names for it and cook mm-hmm. it slightly different. Um, and so it's learning those ratios and how to plate and how to teach them how to balance it um, you know, and we all use chickpea flour. I mean, chickpea flour has been huge in the Indian diet. I mean, for a very long time, um, and so it's using that.
0: And in and you have to, up. Do, and you have to be yeah. an expert in all the health conditions too.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. But you do. But, you, but we we know that. I feel that that. I feel like I we learned. We know how to manage sure. blood sugars for the basics. You know. I, You know, and if somebody's a brittle diabetic, I have a another dietitian that I refer them to who's also Indian, but she's a CDE because I that's I'm not a CDE, and so I'm not going to do that, right? But I also teach them, you know, just like anybody else, the healthy relationship with food, not viewing foods as bad as good, but as Mm -hmm. fuel. You know, fuel your body correctly and learn to listen to it. You know, let's go back to the way we were, our roots, and you know, and you eat when you you stop when you're full. You don't need to snack all the Time just because that's what we have ready available right. in the U.S. I mean convenience packages, right? Um, and I think there's a lot of nutrition noise. Is that the right word? Nutrition noise. Where so many influences on telling you what nutrition is not necessarily oh, just dietitian. Yeah, noise.
0: that's forever. We will always struggle with that. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so then you know, and then they'll be like, "Oh, I heard this, and there's this, and there's this," and so you know, and. And as I've practiced, I've actually had to learn a lot more about Ayurvedic medicine, which is not Western medicine. Um, And it's just a practice of life, even though it has medicine written in it. It's not science. Um, It's just something that's been practiced. And so I think that Indians, especially new immigrants or immigrants, more recent immigrants, um, get caught up in do I, how do I balance the Western and Eastern medicine?
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so that's a harder one. Um, And I've learned to now just tell them upfront, like, I don't practice it. And I'm not going to at all guide you through that. Like, they're completely different. They often conflict. So, you know, you've got to find what works best for you. You're like,
0: I'm not a doctor. I'm not a specialist in that. I will talk to you about food all day long.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so where is your kind of, what does the future look like for your business? What are you kind of working on or kind of putting out into this space of nutrition?
1: Yeah, so I am, have been working and I'm still working and it's taking me forever. Um, I want to do a nutrition course, like kind of basic nutrition 101, but for Indians on the nutri- Indian diet, um, just in general, and I think it could help practitioners, but I think mainly even Indians, they can just kind of learn like simple, you know, pan swaps or simple food swaps. Um, you know, the importance of nutrition through the Indian lens, like Mm -hmm. our Indian food, you know, not medical nutrition therapy, but just think of like, you know, just how we plate foods and how we currently do, but you could easily do this instead
0: with our Interesting.
1: Uh, yeah. And so I'm working
0: on that. And that it definitely would help. I feel like as dietitians that would like to learn about that, I feel like that would be a great benefit.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, where I struggle is, I think I'm right now, I'm just trying to make it towards
0: mm-hmm. the clientele,
1: uh, and then maybe modify it for that
0: would be maybe put that in your thought process of, of doing that once you get done <laughs> with your for your clients but that I still feel like I'll, there's a lot like you know we're talking about like cultural competency it's like I think we all will struggle with that for quite a while but the more things the more resources yeah. that are out there like if you would create that that would just be so helpful for our profession
1: yeah. So I, I have to work on that though, but I've been working on the one for clients. And so I think that that just, you know, cause sometimes they just want to see me to tell them what is right and what is wrong, you know? And I think that, um, some of that can just be solved by coursework. They don't necessarily need an appointment with me and they can learn to figure out what's best for them mm-hmm. by feelings, um, and knowledge. I think knowledge is huge and empowering.
0: Absolutely. Ourselves. Absolutely. Um, and then is, do you have any advice for like, from your experience and you're a young dietitian, because I'm, we're probably the same age. So we're just going to say, we're oh, going to say do. we're both young, <laughs> but when you think about what you've learned over the past and what you think about where dietetics is going, you know, as a private practice dietitian, do you have any advice for anyone thinking about it or currently in private practice? What have you learned along the way? Um, So a couple things. So just as a dietitian,
1: I think my guidance would be, it's okay to say you don't know um, and get back and do the learning. That's always humbling for yourself, but also for them so that you build that trust factor. We're not going to know everything. And I don't think there's any shame in saying, I don't know. Let me get back to you. Um, And if you truly don't think you can help them, it's okay to refer out. Um, I think that... Dietitians sometimes starting out, so this is the new dietitian that might be starting out in private practice or anybody considering starting in private, not all clients are going to be for you. Um, And that is okay because you're not going to solve the world's problems, but there may be another dietitian better suited for them. Um, And then find out where you're truly passionate about, and that's who you aim for, and that should be your clientele. Don't get swayed with what you see on social media from other dietitians thinking that that should be your thought process. Figure out what you really believe in and kind of go with that.
0: All very wise words. (laughs) I would echo yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right? I don't know. I think think we come out of school sometimes thinking we're there to solve the world's problems and know Mm -hmm. everything, and that's not true. And it's exhausting. Yes. (laughs)
0: So exhausting.
1: It is, and I have, and I can tell you, I have no problems these days saying, I don't know, let Uh me get back to you (laughs) because things change,
0: you know, and science is constantly updating. And that's our profession. I mean, we have to be able to adapt and learn and keep growing. Otherwise, we shouldn't be doing this job anymore. That's Mm.
1: very true. Actually, very, very true.
0: yeah Good advice. I like it. Okay, so now for some other hard questions. Um, I like to end Mm -hmm. my podcast with questions that are you did all the easy ones. So, um, <laughs> share with me some foods that you enjoy.
1: Foods that I enjoy. Oh, I love ice cream. That is my favorite. <laughs> um, love ice cream. Foods I enjoy. Um, I like a good loaf of sourdough bread. I love lentils. Um, sprouted lentils are probably mm-hmm. my favorite. But um, I like lentils, whether they're Indian or I make a vegan bolognese out of it or a soup. Um, I think that they're pretty – it's probably the most versatile food, I think, in my pantry. Um, and then ice cream. Bread. And bread. Do you have a favorite yeah. sourdough,
0: sourdough is the bread? Um, favorite ice cream flavor? Ice cream? Um all of them, yeah, it's all much of them.
1: <laughs> yeah maybe anything something else gotcha. I have chocolate
0: okay. it. But, or maybe Ooh, it, that's a good one I've never had sprouted lentils I'll have to itch. I know <gasps> I just was like oh my gosh I've never had sprouted lentils
1: I think I have a I think I might have it a reel on it or, or no maybe I don't know I don't know I have I know I have somewhere how to make them okay quick at home not quick but how you can okay. make them at home if okay. Awesome yeah, do. Awesome. I would
0: <laughs> love I yes, I need to try this cuz I I have found a love for lentils over the past few years. And you're right, they're so versatile. They're it's amazing that how you can use them in. So, amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, beverages that you enjoy. Well, water. Yes, you're you the water mean. queen <laughs> Follow <me>
1: on Instagram. <laughs> I am huge on water water. Um, I like hot like my own home hot teas that I like to boil like mm. ginger in um just ginger ginger and lemon or ginger and fennel um fennel mm. seeds I like to just boil that sip on that throughout the day um I'm not too much into bubblies or sparkling sodas yeah. or
0: anything
1: yeah and then I definitely like a good glass you Pinot.
0: can't go wrong with the pinot that's like yeah no
1: <laughs> yeah so I must be honest about that one too
0: um any scents or smells that you enjoy
1: I like the smell of lavender mm. um I like the smell of vanilla in a kitchen and I and it I like boiling um, cinnamon sticks in water when I'm cooking Indian oh. food. So the smell is not as pungent. Interesting. That's in a house. really good idea. Like cinnamon and um, cinnamon sticks and cloves, if you boil that. And if I have an orange or something, I will throw that in. But I boil that in on the back burner while I'm cooking. And so that the, the m- smells of the masalas or the spices that we use Aren't don't, so like, strong.
0: you know, stink. Yeah. That the whole house isn't. Interesting. Like good idea. That's probably good for any strong smelling food that you cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, it just smells good. It would smell good. <laughs> good idea. I'm getting lots of good tips from you. Uh, <laughs> if you were not a dietitian and you were another profession, what would that be?
1: Okay. Well, graphic design was not available when i was in school or i wasn't aware of it maybe graphic design architecture um
0: kind of creative kind of something like
1: that drawing creative i like that very
0: interesting you're the creative side i can tell i
1: love it i like it i like painting so i wouldn't be a painter but i like painting interesting
0: and then what brings you joy in life
1: Joy? Oh, there's so much joy. Um, I really try to be on a positive mindset, find joy in my day, whether it is my kids being nice to me, <laughs> uh, saying something Aww, nice to me, or just so having, restful, having restful sleep. Um, maybe this is age, but like restful sleep, walking outside, getting some fresh air. Um, but I truly just feel find the little things, because that's really what keeps us happy or me happy. Um, I don't need, it's not about the wants. It's about making sure that what I currently have, I find joy in. That's
0: beautiful. I like that. And it's been, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like the pandemic has been something that has brought you a lot of joy to be with your family and to be just present in your life.
1: Yeah, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's been hard Oh, I'm issues. sure. I'm
0: sure. I'm sure. Um, and,
1: yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, definitely. I think it's been nice. I mean, I've really gotten to know both my kids in a much greater Sense and even my husband, he usually travels quite a bit of the year for work, and um, he's been home for a year, he hasn't gotten on a plane, so that's been really nice. It's been
0: nice just for the four of us, Absolutely. yeah. But I can see where that would be very different too, and, and have its challenges mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, it has been. Um, I um, very much enjoy getting to know you. Now I know the person behind the Instagram, which I love, and I just look forward to keep learning from you. I, I do learn a lot from you, and I do appreciate all the stuff that you're doing in this space.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel like so honored to be oh. on your <laughs> podcast because you're so focused on dietitians. So I think it's really it's so nice. To be able to be a part oh. of it, and, and to be asked to be well, part yeah. of it, so thank oh, you, well. <laughs> and you keep doing what you do because you're sharing knowledge to all dietitians. Well,
0: that's what that's what we're here for, right? We're just keeping this profession as positive as we can. Sarika so is really great about reminding me to drink my water. I think her and Tony Castillo are fantastic about that, and I really love her passion for bringing her Indian food culture to her practice of dietetics and increasing the cultural competency in our profession. I know I learn a lot from her, especially from the foods that she shares, things that she does uh, just personally. And then that just makes me a better dietitian. So if you do not follow her on Instagram, I highly suggest that you do. You can find her at indian.nutritionist, which is also linked in my show notes. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.